You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. A packed courtroom today for the bail hearing of Meng Wanzhou, the chief financial officer for the Chinese tech giant Huawei. Meng was arrested last Saturday in Vancouver after an extradition request from the United States. Aaron MacArthur has more on what we're learning about the allegations in the case. The spotlight is intense. A bail hearing underway for Meng Wanzhou the chief financial officer of one of the world's leading technology companies, stands accused of conspiracy to commit fraud by the U.S. government, which is seeking her extradition. Charges her lawyer denied in court. The fact that she's being detained by the U.S. government or at the U.S. government's request uh, matters. Sitting in the prisoner's box with a translator and wearing a green sweatsuit, Meng a world away from her typical lifestyle as one of China's most influential business leaders. RCMP officers, acting on a request from U.S. authorities, were waiting for her at YVR while she changed planes en route from Hong Kong to Mexico last Saturday. It's apparent that Canada not only said yes to the arrest, Canada collaborated and participated in that arrest. It underlined the yes, which is a striking message to China. The U.S. Department of Justice issued the warrant accusing Huawei of violating sanctions imposed on Iran. The U.S. government says the Chinese telecom used a subsidiary called Skycom to do business in Iran and alleges Meng Wanzhou lied about the company's links to a U.S. financial institution. They're an instrument that they use to spy and to steal intellectual property and to try to dominate the 5G marketplace. We have an absolutely consistent view from the intelligence community about this threat. Meng is the daughter of the founder of Huawei, Ren Zhengfei, the family and the company worth billions of dollars. Huawei denying any wrongdoing. The arrest comes at a time when Canada is trying to secure a free trade deal with China. The Chinese government already threatening retaliation. If uh, Madame Wang uh, does not return to China in, in the near future, uh, pressure will mount for some kind of tit-for-tat retaliation. Extradition cases can drag out for years. If Meng Wanzhou is extradited to the U.S., she faces significant jail time. Aaron MacArthur. Global News. Let's bring in Romina Dea, who's outside Supreme Court. And Romina, the issue around Mung's bail is whether or not she's a flight risk. That is the key concern by the Attorney General of Canada, Jay. The Attorney General believes that Meng Wanzhou is a flight risk because she has significant resources, significant financial resources, and she could choose to flee. She could choose to flee Canada if that was her decision. Now, Crown told the court that her father is worth an estimated 3.2 billion dollars. Furthermore, Crown argued that Meng has no significant ties to Canada, that her life is in China, a country where there is no extradition treaty with the U.S. or with Canada. Now, defense argued that it is not fair to prohibit bail just because a person is wealthy. Uh, David Martin was saying that here is a person who is highly regarded in China. She is the mother of four children. She has a clean record. She's never been charged anywhere. He said that if she was to flee, she'd be considered a pariah in her home country and she would never bring that kind of embarrassment to China. Now, Martin is suggesting that 12 conditions be put in place, including GPS electronic monitoring if she is allowed 
allowed out. He also said that she would surrender all passports. It's up to a judge to now decide. The hearing continues on Monday. In the meantime, Mung remains in custody. Jay. All right. Thank you, Romina. Romina Dea outside Supreme Court. Now, according to property records, Meng Wan Zhou's family owns at least two multi-million dollar homes in Vancouver. Ted Chernecki has more on where Meng could potentially stay if granted bail. There are two properties in Vancouver that appear to be connected to Meng, and both are registered under one name, and that is Xiaoxing Louie. And in the past, Meng has been identified as being married to a man with that name. Now, if she is granted bail, and if these properties are in fact connected to the family, she presumably could perhaps stay under house arrest at the one on 28th Avenue. It was purchased in 2008 for $2.7 million and has about doubled in value with its latest assessment at about $5.6 million. The other property behind me is less likely to be used because it is undergoing a major renovation. The house at 1603 Matthews was purchased in May 2016 for $15 million, and the latest assessment, that would be 2017, has it valued at $16.3 million. And there's one more thing. You see those two lights back there in that house there? That is the official residence of the U.S. Consulate General. It's just one door away from the house that's being renovated right here. And, Jay? Tetranecki reporting for us tonight. Thank you, Ted. RCMP and the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team gathering evidence at a home in the 7,000 block of 144A Street in Surrey today. RCMP called to the home early this morning. Inside, they found the body of a man who had suffered injuries consistent with foul play. No names are being released at this time. Anyone with information is asked to call the IHIT tip line or Crime Stoppers. Well, today was your last day to return your ballot on electoral reform. Voting had been extended by a week because of rotating strikes at Canada Post. Keith Baldry is live with more on the response. And Keith, now the deadline has come and gone. Do we know the rate of return? Well, we don't know the final number, Anne, but the number as of this morning of Elections BC is still fairly low, but it's encouraging that it's a lot higher than it was uh, a couple weeks ago when people were speculating, you know, 20% of the people would, would actually take the time to vote here. So here are the numbers as of this morning from Elections BC. They have so far received 1,356,000 ballots uh, received at their headquarters in various locations around the province. That works out just a 41% voter turnout uh, because in terms of eligible voters, there's more than 3.2 million of us out there across the province. That number will grow slightly, that top number there, because a lot of ballots were dropped off today as well. But that's one thing to vote. Another thing when it comes to counting these things, we caught up to Andrew Watson, Elections BC. He says it's going to take some time. It will take a matter of weeks following the close of voting uh, today for us to be able to report results. Uh, unlike in a provincial election, uh, where we have initial results on election night, uh, in a vote-by-mail referendum, all of the ballots are sent centrally to Victoria, and uh, there's a review process for those voting packages. They need to be physically separated, and then the ballots need to be uh, tabulated before results can be reported. Okay, so it looks like we'll have to pack some patience here, Keith. So <laughs> if the vote is in favor of electoral reform, what happens then? Well, there's a lot of confusion about this because uh, the earliest an election can be fought under a new voting system is July of 2021. That's actually enshrined in law by the NDP. Uh, keep in mind what's been going on the last few days. The speaker potentially is in trouble here. Uh, that could uh, you know, wobble the NDP-type majority here. There's an enamel by-election that's got to be called that the NDP should win on paper, but governments have a, a long history in this province of losing by-elections. Things like that get combined. We could have an election earlier than that, which means it would be fought under first 
first past the post. So lots to watch for indeed. Thanks very much for the update, Keith. Dramatic pictures out of East Vancouver this morning as a home goes up in flames. Well, thankfully, everyone inside managed to get out safely and miraculously crews were able to keep the fire from spreading to nearby homes. But the tenants lost almost everything. Catherine Urquhart has more on the damage and how investigators hope to determine the cause. You can hear rescue crews racing to the scene as flames quickly devour this house in East Vancouver around 6 a.m. But firefighters have no chance of saving it. Flames lick at one of the neighboring homes, causing minor damage. Incredibly, crews able to keep the fire from spreading. Coralie Tanner is among the tenants who narrowly escape unharmed. I didn't even have time to grab my purse or my shoes or anything. I just ran out, of course, and I let my cat out first and trying to find my cat. Edward, he's gray. Whatever. I know, I have house insurance, so I'm screwed. Not surprisingly, most of Coralie's possessions are destroyed or severely damaged. Once the flames are doused, firefighters use Paratech struts to stabilize the structure. It's the only way inspectors can go inside safely to investigate the cause. See what we're using is uh, some struts here. They're called Paratech struts to support the house so they can actually dig through the bottom and just sift through to see what they can find. Is this a pretty unique way to, to handle a, a dangerous situation like this? With the... um, it certainly can be, um, but uh, it's not something that we would commonly do. Cause of the fire remains under investigation. Those who escaped are being provided temporary housing by emergency social services. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Following a series of recent carbon monoxide poisonings, there are calls tonight to make CO detectors mandatory. As Nadia Stewart explains, experts say is an inexpensive and simple way to protect your family and save lives. It is both inexpensive and invaluable. If we could just combine the two and make it mandatory. Surrey Fire Chief Len Garris says one of these smoke and carbon monoxide detectors should be in every home in B.C. Right now, only smoke alarms are mandatory in all homes. That is not the case for carbon monoxide detectors. The building code requires new construction as of 2012 to have a CO detection, but that doesn't help all of the existing buildings. Including older offices and homes. Over 300 people die every year in Canada from CO poisoning. There are more than 200 hospitalizations. This week alone, 22 people, 19 adults and three children ended up in the hyperbaric chamber after they were exposed to the odorless, colorless gas. Experts say it is not unusual to see an increase in the number of cases this time of year, but it should serve as a reminder. There's nothing sexier than a carbon monoxide detector. In fact, there's nothing better than two. So if you're looking for a gift to give people, give them a carbon monoxide detector. Garris is hoping what happened this week will be enough to push the NDP government to do what lawmakers in Ontario did, making CO detectors mandatory for all homes, both new and old. So far, we're still waiting on that decision. They haven't said no, but they haven't said yes, but we're waiting an awful long time. And as that occurs, we're going we're gonna to see more and more of these people that are uh, sick from this situation and maybe die. 
In an email, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth says the province is exploring what more can be done to get more carbon monoxide alarms installed. He says that might include legislation and working with Codes Canada on possible changes to the building code or fire code. Now to get to Global News. But first, a happy ending tonight to the story that brought a Vancouver neighborhood together to search for a missing pet. A week after Misha, the Jack Russell Terrier was stolen from a wheelchair-bound man. The two have been reunited just in time for Christmas. Yep. You can see swellings. Mm-hmm. You've been hit with a leash or a stick. It's been an extremely difficult week for Mike Lorimer and his little dog, Misha. I care about my dog. I love my dog as soon as it was gone. I made the right contacts i got it out there right away misha was stolen on november 29th from outside this church's chicken on east hastings where lorimer has panhandled for years when word got out that misha had been taken those who know lorimer along with complete strangers rallied to get the dog back we had our volunteers meet on wednesday we had little uh, five by seven handouts to give to people we spoke we followed up every hit that we got we had a tip line and everything the break came thursday night a local resident who had seen the missing dog posts spotted a man with a dog in a stroller in gastown on a hunch he followed him for about an hour even getting this photo we ended up in a, a dark alleyway behind water street just by the train tracks where he started to become very violent with the dog he he actually at one point picked it up and threw it against the wall. Rusin says at one point the man pulled out a blowtorch and was threatening the dog with fire. Vancouver police say two people actually called 911 from this alley and when officers arrived a few minutes later they arrested a 33-year-old Vancouver man on an unrelated warrant. I felt so bad standing and watching what was happening to the dog for that long uh, you know but the the police were right in telling me not to do anything because he turned out to be a pretty bad guy. He's going to the vet right now. Misha was given a medical check and is going to be okay. I want to thank all the people that came together and helped me out in time of need. Jill Bennett, Global News. Uh, great work by everyone involved. Yeah, happy ending and together again just mm-hmm. in time as we said. Especially during this time exactly, of year. Exactly, yeah. And if you're looking for a way to get into the spirit of the season, meteorologist Christy Gordon has a preview of Christmas at Canada Place. Yeah, but first Christy, let's get an update on the snow you mentioned last night. Anything new? Well, the timeline is pushed back a little bit. It's definitely going to happen after midnight, you guys, likely starting around 3 a.m., right through until 9 a.m. Still, we're dropping down close to the freezing mark, which means we could see trace amounts of wet snow, but I think the biggest concern will be the risk of freezing rain. When I come back, we'll talk about the areas that I'm most concerned about across the south coast when it comes to that. Now, yes, we are here at Christmas at Canada Place. We're on the West Promenade, and here you can see six different windows. They're the traditional Woodward's windows. Very nostalgic. Some of these uh, ornaments and and displays date back to 1946. So really neat to see those displays. And if you head all the way to the north end of Canada Place, that's where you can see this lit up uh, a big moose. So lots to do down here. It's on until uh, January 2nd. Over the weekends, they also have entertainment, which is behind me here. These are the silver bells and they're here on Saturdays from uh, 12 right through until 2. Fantastic sort of um, get you into this holiday spirit type of music and these ladies are really warming the spirits of everyone walking along here despite the fact that it is a little chilly but it will warm up over the next few days.
New video tonight proving once again that even wild animals just want to have fun once in a while. The group Life Force Ocean Friends capturing a female humpback whale named Lorax playing with a log off Comox Harbor. They say she played with a log for a good 45 minutes before moving on. Well, the simple pleasures in life, right? Well, a new system is online tonight off the B.C. coast aimed at reducing one of the biggest threats to our whale population. The system will track and locate whales and send the information to ships that might be at risk of hitting them. Linda Aylesworth reports. When something as big as a humpback whale washes ashore, like this one off the Tuasim Ferry Terminal two weeks ago, people notice. Unfortunately, the ship that struck and killed it did not. If you think of just how big those vessels are and how small those whales are, sometimes a, a, a vessel can strike a whale and they won't even know. As a result, strikes are underreported. But we know it's a problem. We've seen dead whales brought into Vancouver Harbour, draped over the bulbous hulls of ships. That massive blue whale skeleton that hangs at UBC was a victim of a ship strike. And two years ago, J-34, an endangered southern resident killer whale, suffered the same fate. The problem with killer whales is that, that traffic is increasing and and these whales are right on the edge and so even if only one southern resident gets killed every couple of years that's very significant but it's fin whales the second largest creatures on earth that are most at risk of being struck and when they're feeding they're very distracted they're fairly oblivious to boats going by so right, right at the surface, if a ship comes through the middle of a group of feeding fin whales, they're likely to be hit. But at the Vancouver Aquarium Cetacean Sightings Network, they've been working on a tool to reduce deadly strikes. We developed this Whale Report app a few years ago, and we found that we were getting a lot of real-time sighting reports from really high, um, highly experienced observers, and we thought, well, this would be a really great tool for commercial mariners. And so the Whale Report Alert System was born. It forwards those sightings to large commercial vessels. If a commercial vessel is within, within 10 nautical miles of that whale sighting, they will get an alert either on their smartphone or in their operations center. The hope that they'll slow down or change course. No mariner wants to strike a whale. Uh, you know, they all love the ocean just as much as we do. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Now they're going uh, back. Oh gosh, you seem bail out of there. Now we're going eastbound. A suspect jumps from the back of a moving car and surrenders during a wild police chase in Oklahoma. The driver of the car carried on until police forced him off the road. OHP is definitely trying to, to end this. Spun him, there he's in the air, and it looks like he hit a power line. That's unbelievable. Despite the violent crash, the driver and two other passengers survived with relatively minor injuries and were arrested. No word on what sparked the chase. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the country's premiers have wrapped up what was expected to be a contentious meeting in Montreal. As our chief political correspondent David Aiken reports, the premiers and the prime minister made only limited progress, even on issues they agree on. On her way into today's meeting, Alberta's Premier Rachel Notley said the oil and gas problem in Alberta is a national problem. will be... Uh raising the fact that uh, we think the single most important issue uh, facing Canada's economy right now is the uh, difficulty that we are having with respect to uh, getting our oil and gas products to market. But Notley was soon disappointed. Because of the way Prime Minister Trudeau set the agenda, she had to wait nearly three hours before she had a chance to speak. Trudeau, to be fair, opened the meeting with the recognition that energy was going to be a key topic. 
the Premiers and I will talk about how we can best support Canadians working in sectors that are currently facing significant challenges, whether they're oil and gas workers in Alberta hit hard by the price differential or GM workers in Oshawa. But at one point during the closed-door session, Notley cut Trudeau off, according to sources in the room, as Trudeau was describing some of the more symbolic ways that he was supporting the oil and gas sector. Notley wants action. But she'll leave Montreal tonight still wanting more from Ottawa. And while energy issues and a national carbon tax dominated discussion, some premiers are hoping for agreement on less high-profile, less controversial issues. Manitoba, for instance, was pushing to cut some interprovincial trade barriers. It costs us about $1,500 for every household every year because we're silly enough to make it hard for each other to do business with one another. And so the premiers leave Montreal unable to come to agreement on something as uncontroversial as removing the barriers on interprovincial transport of beer and wine. And that means on the bigger and more complex issues, a national carbon tax, a national climate change plan, how to develop our natural resources, well, too many premiers are still too far apart from the Prime Minister. David Aiken, Global News, Montreal. President Donald Trump's former legal fixer was talking to Russians who were trying to reach the Trump election campaign as far back as 2015. That's the latest from special counsel Robert Mueller's office in the case of Michael Cohen. And another filing from Mueller's office into former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort could open another new window into this investigation. Mueller says Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign chairman, violated his agreement to cooperate with investigators by lying to them after he pleaded guilty. But court documents filed today giving specifics of what they say he lied about were heavily redacted. That means that there are ongoing investigations, sensitive information that the Mueller team does not want to make public right now. The documents say Manafort lied when he denied having contacts this year with the Trump administration, but they don't say what it was about. In New York, prosecutors recommended a single sentence for Michael Cohen's two guilty pleas, lying to Congress about dealings with Russia to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, and fraud as well as campaign finance violations for hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and another woman who claimed they had sexual encounters with Trump. Cohen's lawyers argued against any prison sentence, but prosecutors said he has a rose-colored view of the seriousness of his crimes and suggest he should get at least three years in prison. Meantime, former FBI Director James Comey was interviewed by House Republicans in a closed session for about seven hours today. They say the FBI went easy on Hillary Clinton, but extra tough on President Trump. We could have done this in open setting. And two, when you read the transcript, you will see that we are talking again about Hillary Clinton's emails, for heaven's sake, so I'm not sure we need to do this at all. Also today, former Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos was released after 12 days in a federal prison camp. His sentence for lying to Mueller's investigators about contacts with Russians promising to provide dirt on Clinton. Cohen will be sentenced next week. Manafort will have to wait until March. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington. A police body cam captures a rookie Texas deputy and some good Samaritans rescuing a man trapped inside his burning truck. The vehicle caught fire after slamming into the back of a semi. Deputy Connor Martin had to make several attempts to get the driver out, helped by a small army of witnesses. Within minutes after they freed the driver, the vehicle's door began to melt from the heat. The driver is in hospital with some serious injuries, but will recover.
In Health Matters tonight, a special birthday party in Vancouver to highlight the challenges facing some of BC's most vulnerable young people. The group Young Leaders Fostering Change held a 19th birthday party at the front steps of City Hall to draw attention to the age at which kids in government care age out of the system and lose virtually all of their support. I was really dreading my 19th birthday. I was terrified. Um, so I actually left care when I was 17 because uh, I, I didn't want to jump through all the hoops that other youth do. Um, I was really troubled. Um, so I actually ended up, you know, kind of like hitchhiking and all over the place. Um, and I would have liked to have had a smoother transition into adulthood. The latest remarkable broadcast from the surface of Mars isn't about what you can see, but what we can hear for the first time ever. That's after the forecast. Bit of a surprise for NASA scientists. You <laughs> yeah. want to stick around for that. All right. Well, it could be a little bit windy by the water. Let's check in now with Christy Gordon, who's mm. down at Canada Place. The lovely silver bells behind me singing a w Walking in a Winter Wonderland, which is perfect. It is chilly down here, although we don't have any snow. But there is a little bit of snow in the forecast. It is unlikely for the lower mainland, and there's a couple reasons why. Uh, again, the timeline for it is to happen after midnight tonight through to potentially around uh, 8 a.m. Wet snow, but just trace amounts as possible. So we're just talking about a bit of slush here and there. Uh, certainly possible in a few pockets, but mainly over higher terrain with the freezing level, uh, potentially a couple hundred meters uh, up. The real risk is the freezing rain that we're concerned about, and that will last through a good part of the morning hours tomorrow. So I would recommend if you have to go out on the roads, waiting till late morning or afternoon would be even better. The band that's moving on is weakening, and that's why we're really not going to see a major snow event here. Areas on Vancouver Island that I'm concerned about will be Highway 4 up towards Port Alberni, then over towards Campbell River. Sunshine Coast, higher elevations for you. And then certainly in the Howe Sound area, that's where we could see some snow. For the lower mainland, uh, just a few pockets. Really, it's the risk of freezing rain that's the concern. That's inland Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Howe Sound, Port Alberni, Campbell River, those are the areas where we could see a couple centimeters of accumulation along with a risk of freezing rain. Don't forget tweet us and also email us let us know what's going outside on outside your window it's always great to hear about what's going on because as you well know these events are wide uh, ranging all across the lower mainland so we could be seeing one scenario in one neighborhood and another scenario in another neighborhood so it's great to hear from you by the afternoon hours tomorrow you guys we may even catch a little bit of blue sky four degrees as our high and then it's sunday we're in for a very stormy Sunday. But it is a great time down here at, at Christmas at Canada Place. Uh, lots of people enjoying walking down here, and we do hope that you'll come down as well. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Silver bells sounding amazing. Mm. The nostalgia hitting you again? I'm in the mood. <laughs> very festive. <laughs> okay, grab your remote and crank up the volume for this next piece of historic video and audio. It's our first listen to the sound of wind on the red planet. Okay, you got to crank up that remote like really high. Okay, There's the a downturn wind, there. <laughs> the wind's vibrations are being picked up by the inside lander's seismometer, seismometer, and air pressure sensors. It's a little hard to hear, so NASA tweaked the audio so we can hear it better. Okay, I can hear it There now. you go. That's yeah. what we wanted. Now
<laughs> a four-legged variation on ball boys and girls at a London tennis tournament. Specially trained dogs retrieving stray balls between points. The hard part, says trainers, teaching them to sit still and not chase the balls until it's time. What's that would be doing? difficult. <laughs> Too tempting. It looks like you might be able to get one serve in and then the match is all over. So. You really Tough have to, to train a dog to chase a ball? Is yeah. that just sort of an innate thing they have? You think they wouldn't have to It's train. getting it back. That's the challenge. What was with the guy having the ball in his mouth? That was on. <laughs> it was on. Uh, okay, so the Canucks won last night over Nashville. Top team in the West, and the Canucks beat them. Go figure. Uh, teams have been checking Elias Pettersson closer, and as a result, it has been tougher for him to score, especially five-on-five, five, but he has the skills and the head to figure ways around that. You'll see that as the season goes along. He has so much skill that when there's no one to stop him except the goalie, even one as good as Pecorine, you are wise to bet on Patterson to score. He did last night in his first ever NHL penalty shot. And what was impressive was not just the deke, but how late he made the move. We found out that he's a close deeker. Take a look. It's basically in the blue paint when he makes his final move on Rene. Another Canuck who used to do this, Pavel Burry. That was Burry's specialty. Wait until the last second, no panic, now put it in. All right, Adam Gaudet. He was one of the guys last night, one of the young guys who didn't really score a point, but he received unsolicited praise from Travis Green. He was used a lot in the third period to protect the Canucks lead, a job usually reserved for veteran players and not a rookie. When you're coaching, you, you're trying to, it, what goes through your head in those moments is, okay, I'm, uh, am I going to lean on this young guy right now? And uh, I just felt like he, he was on. He was managing the puck well. He was hanging on to the puck uh, in the third period, not throwing blind passes to the slot, making sure pucks get deep and protect it. You know, he's got, a, he's got a good hockey mind for two-way hockey, and, and that's when a player's playing well, a young guy or old, you, you want to go with him. Boilers in Minnesota. Let's check out how things are going in the first the period. The it's Conor McDavid. McDavid looking for Leon Dreisaitl. That's the goal. He scores. Dude for the Grateful Dead. He's happy about it. All right, watch McDavid here. Pass it. Nope. Pass it. No. Shoot it. Wait. Wait. Now. 3-0 in the first period for the Oilers over Minnesota. Well, the Vancouver Giants will be at their old house tomorrow night, taking on Victoria at the Pacific Coliseum. They need a bigger arena because it's teddy bear toss night. Bring a bear, a stuffed toy, or buy one at the Coliseum and throw it the moment the Giants score so some child can have a better Christmas. It's a December tradition for teams all over North America. And for the Giants, it's a tradition that's been around almost as long as they have. Since 2002, the Vancouver Giants have held their version of the teddy bear toss. Fans buy toys, throw them on the ice, players help to gather them up. The origins of the teddy bear toss are actually from the Western Hockey League, and more specifically, from BC. Uh, it was started by the Kamloops Blazers back in 1993. And at the time, they, they thought it was a, a great promotional idea, and they, I think they had 100 or 200 bears thrown on the ice. And uh, it started off a, uh, a chain of events that now is spread across the entire Western Hockey League. And it's gone well beyond the WHL. 
spreading into other junior oh, leagues oh, and the minors. In fact, last Sunday, the appropriately named Hershey Bears of the American Hockey League set a world record by collecting 34,798 stuffed toys. The fact that there's world records now, <laughs> I think, means that uh, there, there, there's a, the bar's been raised. The Giants expect to get around 10 to 15,000 stuffed toys. All the bears go to the Christmas Bureau for, for needy kids. The money that's donated on the purchase of the bears goes to the uh, NW uh, Kids Fund. And uh, it has been part of our, our tradition to do that for, for many years since we first started this in 02. A more recent tradition around Teddy Bear Toss Night is a special uniform. This year, it's the elf uniform. Our jersey is a, a bit of a tribute to a, a, a Christmas movie, Elf. Uh, that a lot of was filmed at the P&E, at, at, uh, at the Coliseum and the, uh, and the Forum. We couldn't get Will Ferrell up, but uh, you know, maybe next year. <laughs> Go. All right, moguls, Mikhail Kingsbury of Canada, the best. This is his 50th World Cup win. This was in Finland. He has 74 World Cup medals, and he has knees like pistons. He won a medal today, and so did Cassie Sharp, Olympic champ, grew up in Comox, lives in North Van. This is the uh, half pipe World Cup event at Copper Mountain in Colorado. She crashed at this mountain three years ago. It was the best in qualifying, had a bad first run, but her second run got her on the podium for a silver. Amazing. There you go. It's gotta be so hard to overcome the, the nerves when you have a crash on that hill, but uh, she pulled it off, that's amazing. I know, it's like the next time you do this show, there might be a rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> I have to uh, learn the procedure here, maybe next time. Uh, Squire, up next with Satellite Debris. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do with your family. We always have something for everyone, and today that includes pets, weirdos and mini miners. Let's start with the kids from 1 to 92 with the Vancouver Aurora Winter Festival. It's being called Canada's largest winter festival with a beautiful skating rink, a tube park, massive light displays, amusement rides and a Christmas market. It all happens at Concord Pacific Place. How about a visit to the Britannia Mine Museum? Take a ride into the mine tunnel and meet the real Chris Kringle. Mrs. Claus, she'll be on site too, helping you make a gingerbread house. And now for the pets. They too want to meet Santa with the holidays upon us. Various locations throughout the province are hosting pet photos with Santa, including the SPCA branch in West Vancouver this Sunday. Weirdos, we haven't forgotten you. The Weirdos Holiday Market brings together Vancouver's most outlandish local artists and vendors. If you're looking for unconventional and unique, you'll find the perfect gifts here. This weekend, indulge in food and wine at the Savor the Sun Festival. Head to Sun Peaks Resort, spend the day on the slopes, and enjoy rare and expressive wines paired with outstanding dishes. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Here's a look at today's snow report. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of 62 centimeters. Lots more snow coming to the mountains, by the way, this coming weekend. Grouse has a base of 16, Cypress 10, Sasquatch opening at a later date. Revelstoke, a base of 107 centimeters, Fernie 80, opening to be determined at Manning Park, and Whitewater, a base of 108. Big White, a base of 88 centimeters, 103 Silver Star, and Sun Peaks 87. Kicking Horse, a base of 68. Mount Washington, opening date as well to be determined. And Powder King, a base of 100 centimeters.
All right, Squire's been hard at work today, and he's managed to dig up a couple of gems for us. For yes, well, uh, one oh, I'll talk about in a second. It's turning into a Christmas tradition here. But the first one is actually a promo for a TV show in England, um, or the UK, if you like, uh, Dancing on Ice. So here we go. <laughs> Bears on ice thing yeah. going on in this program. Okay, so this one is the Christmas tradition. I mean, we see Charlie Brown every year and a bunch of other Christmas TV specials and movies, so why not add in something from Satellite Debris? This was actually first um, shown by us, I think, two years ago. It's from Norton for Antivirus, but it features Santa at his workshop. Have you looked over the Naughty Nice list yet? Looking at it now. Okay, I wasn't looking at it, but I am now. No. Play your games. Uh, we'll, we'll take care of things. This isn't a game. Crinkle, the naughty nice list is gone. Call the police. Uh, I've seen this before. It's called the Baja Bug. Your dad is locked. There's nothing I can do. You're the police. You're supposed to help. And you were supposed to bring me a Battle Max action figure in 1987. Oh. Hello, Dougie. Didn't recognize you. Did you get any better at listening to your mom? She passed. Sorry. She made a great cookie. Since you're the one to ransom. No! We don't negotiate with naughties. No offense, Tuggy. It was a phase. Crankle. We need Chris Jr. Who's, who's Chris Jr.? My son. So many updates to run. Did you know your clock was wrong? He thinks you're in Belize. Can you get the naughty nice list back or what? No, that reindeer has left the barn. I'm Santa. Come to the world. Who does this to a friend? In here, people aren't who they seem to be. It's like those guys who dress up like you at the mall. What guys? Which mall? Dad, the point is you gotta be Do you know more... about these guys at this mall? Did you? Uh-oh. Naughty nice list. It's been leaked. Media's gonna go crazy. Wait, they leaked my list? It's time for Santa to remind everyone exactly how this works. Crankle, get the shovels. Everyone's getting coal. Everyone. We may not have enough! Well, send someone up the flue to jiggle the thingy. Remember, it gets stuck! If you installed Norton security, like I told you, none of this would have happened. Well, I didn't, it did, and here we are. Man, things are gonna be different when I run this operation. When's that? When you get older. I'm 1,700 years old. How much older would I need to be? Chippy stop! Send someone up to jiggle him. You know, everyone's not naughty, Dad. There's a lot of nice out there. 
I know, son, but they hacked my list. Well, maybe we don't need a list. Let's call it a weird year. No naughty or nice. Everyone gets gifts. That's what it's all about, right? Spoken like a true clause. Hey, no more coal! You know what, Dad? You're really good at making people happy. Almost everybody. That is a classic. Yeah, it's from a couple of years ago. There you go. All right, that's it. For I like the uh, the candy cane Batman style wipes <laughs> yeah, in the middle there. It's a yeah, nice yeah. touch. Yeah. All right, let's head back down to Canada Place where Christy is standing by with a last look at our weekend forecast. Christy. That's right, and one more thing I wanted to say about Canada Place. If you come down here, share a photo on social media using the hashtag, hashtag Canada Place, and you could actually win a trip for two to the Yukon. Again, a risk of freezing rain and wet snow from midnight through until about 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. All right. Hey. Silver Bell still going strong. It won't stop. <laughs> Nicely done. I didn't know the song was that long. <laughs> <laughs>